0: Exodus, chapter 8, and we'll go through chapter 9, 18, right in the middle of the plagues of Egypt, and that can be a difficult subject to teach on because in these first few chapters, especially through the plagues, we're looking at that judgmental side of God, that hard side of God that a lot of people find offensive because uh, a lot of people only want to think of God as love and they don't realize that God is required by his nature to judge sin and therefore he judges mankind. But Moses, he meets Pharaoh as he comes to the Nile early in the morning. Pharaoh is probably there for his morning bath or just to see how his kingdom is doing. And when he sees Moses there, (laughs) he probably says, oh no, what now? (laughs) The first three plagues that we've been through are are for the entire country of Egypt, the bloody water, the frogs, the lice. But apparently, the children of Israel are not immune to these, and they also suffer... uh, the plagues along with Egypt, but that is about to change. God is about to make a a difference between Egypt and Israel. So let's pick up Exodus chapter 8, verse 20. And the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning, stand before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water. Then say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants, on your people, into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground on which they stand. And in that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, in order that you may know that I am the Lord. In the midst of the land. I will make a difference between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall be. And the Lord did so. Thick swarms of flies came into the house of Pharaoh, into his servants houses, and into the land of Egypt. And the land was corrupted because of the swarms of flies. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, go sacrifice to your God in the land. Meaning in Egypt. And Moses said, It is not right to do so, for we would be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abominations of the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he commanded us. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to your Lord. Your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far away. And then he says, Intercede for me. Then Moses said, Indeed, I am going out from you, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart tomorrow from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. But let Pharaoh not deal deceitfully any more, and not letting people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord, and the Lord did according to the word of Moses. He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servant, and from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also, neither would he let the people go. Flies, don't you just love them? Not only flies, we have swarms of flies, and they're coming upon all the Egyptians. Their houses, the house of Pharaoh, they're full of these swarms of flies. The ground is even covered with these flies. Now, maybe you're new to the south and maybe not, but here in the humid, warm south, flies abound. (laughs) If you've ever been out to our little farm, you will notice that Our cow pasture is downwind from our house. Part of the reason being flies. And the other part, odor. (laughs) Okay, it's not only flies. And we had a very cold winter this past winter and the cows have been fly free basically up to right now but the flies are starting to swarm and pester the cows. And flies torment cows and they pester them greatly. Uh, but the cows, are there, they're equipped with a fly swatter, it's called a tail, and they swat the flies away. But the flies love to get right in the middle of the back where the cow can't quite hit it with its tail and so forth. And uh, these flies, and you get some of those big old horse flies and they bite and they drive the cows crazy. I will have a little mercy on my cows and I will get a fly spray and I will spray the backs of the cows and it helps for a day or two, but then the flies come back, you know. But for a couple days they get a little relief. Uh, But flies are filthy little critters and they carry all kinds of germs. You can be out walking in the middle of nowhere. And come upon maybe a dead rabbit or something. Something else perhaps unclean. And flies will be swarming it. This will even go on out in the middle of the desert. And you ladies know that one fly in your kitchen causes your husband to get the summons. Come kill this fly before I die. (laughs) So flies, to say the least, are a pest. Archaeologists love to dig in Egypt because of the pyramids and all that, and they have found these tiny little vials in Egypt, and entombed inside these tiny little vials are flies. Meaning that the Egyptians have idolized even flies. Yow. But anyway, but now there are swarms of flies. And they are only in Egypt, and Goshen, where Israel dwells, is fly-free. Verse 24, Egypt is polluted because of these thick swarms of flies. Now, if you do any kind of activity around swarms of flies, you best put something over your face. You don't want to be breathing in flies. It is a terrible thing to get a fly in your mouth. <laughs> and they're, they're, they're in misery. And it doesn't take Pharaoh long to call for Moses, and he wants a compromise. And he says, go, Moses, go sacrifice to your God, but stay in the land of Egypt. And Moses says, no, we must go three days outside of Egypt into the, wil- excuse me, into the wilderness just as God has commanded us. And for the moment, Pharaoh is willing to agree. For the moment, Pharaoh says, okay, I'll let you go and s- sacrifice. And then, of course, he will change his mind. But Pharaoh is beginning to take these plagues personally. Uh They're coming upon him and his people. But Moses, he does intercede for Pharaoh, and God removes every single fly. Boy, you want to know how God did that. (laughs) There is not one fly left in Egypt. Of course, Pharaoh hardens his heart as soon as the flies are gone, and he will not let Israel go. So let's go to chapter 9, verse 1 through 7. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and tell him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle in the fields, on the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the oxen, and on the sheep. A very severe pestilence. And the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Then the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. So the Lord did this thing on the next day, and all the livestock of Egypt died. But but the livestock of the children of Israel, not one, died. Then Pharaoh sent, and indeed, not even one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead. But the heart of Pharaoh became hard, and he did not let the people go. In verse 1, notice there, To the Lord, worship and serving are interchangeable. And I like that. And for all of us that have the Martha syndrome, you know, we like to be busy in doing, God takes that as worship to him, and I like that. God looks upon our service as worship to him. We begin our worship here on Sunday morning from the moment we walk in the door and the first hello, the greetings that we receive, our worship begins. And then we close our worship service by the goodbyes out in the same parking lot. So we say goodbye and our worship is over for a body of believer so you see and maybe you didn't realize this I am part of the worship team <laughs> now if you know me you know that I am totally musically challenged to say the least I think it's one of Mike's fear that someday I'll sing a solo or something but, but back to Egypt God has set a time for all of the livestock of Egypt to die the cattle, the horses, the donkeys, the oxen, the sheep, and camels. Large dead animals are a severe pestilence. These same animals, when they're alive, they're large, they're working, they're a great asset, and they're a source of wealth, actually, but when they die, they're a pestilence. They're source of disease and contamination. How do you dispose of big, large dead animals? Well, out on the farm, I have a big old tractor with a scoop on it and I bury them. <laughs> but all of Egypt is having to hand bury all of these big, large animals. And by the way, they stink. And Pharaoh wants to know, he's got a question. Is this only in the land of Egypt that the animals are dying, my livestock are dying? Or is it in Goshen with the Israelites also? No, it isn't. It's just in the land of Egypt. God is making that distinction between Egypt and his people. I talked about camels briefly, but recently in the news, maybe you've been following this, MERS uh, has become a worldwide health issue. MERS is simply Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. MERS has been chased back to contact with camels, either eating camel meat or drinking camel milk. So they've chased it back. Now... With the Muslim, they got their big holiday that's come up, their once-a-year Hajj thing in Mecca. And the whole world is looking to see if this MERS is going to be epidemic, as they will begin to eat camel and drink camel milk and so forth. But with MERS, there's been 614, that's about Wednesday of this past week, cases of MERS reported. 180 deaths. That's almost one-third of the people that contact this disease die from it. And there's no vaccine. They don't know how to treat it. That is a severe death ratio, by the way. Now, remember that the Egyptians and Pharaoh, they do not like, in fact, they hate people who take care of large animals. You remember... uh, Joseph and uh, his brothers, and Joseph says, Hey, just go ahead and tell Pharaoh that you take care of animals. But Egypt hates shepherds and cowboys. It's not right to hate a cowboy, that goes against our culture. (laughs) And we have all these large animals in Egypt now, and they're dead but not the animals of the Hebrews. They're still alive. Now, right, right today in America, we're going through a rapid inflation of beef prices. Maybe you've noticed. And that's because of droughts in the Midwest and so forth, and people sold off their herds and all that kind of thing. But can you imagine the inflation of beef, and other animals in Egypt, when all of theirs are dead, they've got to get their meat source somewhere, and they're probably buying from the Hebrews. And, and the Hebrews, well, they're probably charging what the <laughs> the fare would be. But now, not only are you having this loss of animals, the Egyptian army now does not have horses. And without horses, you have no cavalry you have no mounted army but things are different for the hebrews not one loss of one animal and that is insult to injury for the egyptian and by the way hather an egyptian goddess of uh, the mother of cow goddess bites the dust So another attack by God upon the idols of Egypt. Verse 8 of chapter 9. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take for yourself handfuls of ashes from a furnace, and let Moses scatter it towards the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. And it will become fine dust in all the land of Egypt, and it will cause boils that break out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. Then they took ashes from the furnace, and they stood before Pharaoh, and Moses scattered them towards the heavens, and they caused boils that break out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before uh, Moses because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians and on the Egyptian. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses." Moses and Aaron, they scatter these ashes from a furnace. And it's God's way of visually saying, all right, boils are coming upon you by the hand of my servant. And this plague attacks all of Egypt, in particular, their sorcerers and their magicians who cannot stand before Moses or Pharaoh now. Remember in the book of Job... In his troubles and in his woes, Satan is given permission to strike him and he strikes Job with boils from head to toe. And Job, he would sit in an ash heap and he would scrape himself with broken pieces of pottery. That doesn't seem like a way to relief, (laughs) but it's what he did. Boils, are extremely painful according to my older brother. When we were innocent little lads, notice innocent, we were out playing in the yard and my brother had a boil on his head. My parents had took him to the doctor and they'd shaved around this boil. So it's like a big target sitting on top of his head. And he's kneeling down, playing, doing something. And I take just a little stone, hit him right on the boil. He screams bloody murder. The big sissy. I get a whooping. Not a spanking. You got to be from the south. Know what a whooping is? I got a whooping. But it only shows that boils can hurt those that have them and those that are near them. <laughs> Let's move on to Exodus nine thirteen. <laughs> Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For at this time I will send all my plagues on your very heart and on your servants and on your people that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Now... If I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed, for this purpose, I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. And as yet, you exalt yourself against my people, in that you will not let them go. Behold, tomorrow, about this time, I will cause very hail, very heavy hail to rain down such as not been, been in Egypt since its founding until now. Verse 15, God tells Pharaoh through Moses, God is speaking to Pharaoh directly, I could have killed you with pestilence. It would have been easy, Pharaoh, but I have raised you up to show my power. "...upon you or in you, so that my name will be declared in all the earth. Yet you still resist, Pharaoh, and you exalt yourself against my people, and you will not let them go." Back in chapter 2 of Exodus, the children of Israel have cried out to God concerning their hard, uh, rigorous life that they have under the Egyptians... They're slaves to the Egyptians who are treating them harshly and cruelly. And God speaks to Moses from the burning bush in Exodus 2, 7. And he says, I have surely seen the oppression of my people, and I've heard their cry. I know their sorrows, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. That's God speaking. And he will do it. These plagues are a wake-up call to Egypt and to Pharaoh. Through these plagues, God is systematically attacking each and every God of the Egyptians. All their idols are being attacked. God is removing all doubts in all of the land He's removing unbelief in the Egyptian heart as to who he is. Worship me or don't worship me. I am God and you're not. God is demonstrating his power by the hand of Moses. So Moses gets to see. Moses is a witness of God's awesome power and Aaron. And God is demonstrating his power to Pharaoh. He says, I raised you up, Pharaoh, for this reason. And Pharaoh happens to think that he is a god. All the Egyptians worship him. But God also is showing his people, Israel, that he is God. And he says, God has chosen to deliver Israel by a mighty hand. And he's going to do so, and he's going to do it for the whole world to see. We're about 3,000 to 4,000 years after all these plagues. Yet, when we read about them, we're in awe of the God's power and how he controls everything about these plagues, and he can even separate them from Israel from, to the Egyptians. And we're in awe of that. At least I read these and I think, my goodness. And it should be that way to us. It should cause us to consider our God and His strength and His power. But when an unbelieving person is in sin or a nation, and they become so ingrained with sin, they become so habitually sinful that evil is a common thing, God is left with no option but to judge that person or that nation. These plagues on Egypt are severe. They do not even escape Pharaoh who's got every convenience known to man but he still has to go through the plagues. But it says, but so is the hard heart of Pharaoh severe? Pharaoh has set his heart against God. He is hard, and he will not yield to God. And after each plague is removed, we read that Pharaoh hardens his heart. And there's still four plagues left to go. God has told Moses up front, Pharaoh will harden his heart, and he will not let Israel go. Therefore, you, Pharaoh, and Egypt, have been chosen by God to see his power in a harsh and severe way. And that can go against our image of God sometimes. But remember, God is sovereign. He says, I will raise you up for this purpose, Pharaoh. Now, God is not going to back off. He is not going to relent from doing the plagues upon Egypt until his people are delivered. Remember the word of God to Pharaoh, verse 14. At this time, I will send my plagues to your very heart. In other words, you're going to go deep down inside, Pharaoh, that it's me doing this to you. And there is none like me in the whole earth. God is telling Pharaoh, I'm demonstrating my power in a mighty way right to your inner being, right to your heart. For Pharaoh, there is no doubt whatsoever as to where these plagues are coming from. They are coming from God himself. Have you ever had God deal with you in such a way that you, you knew it was God And it didn't matter what the circumstances were. You knew God was dealing with you. That's the way it is with Pharaoh. He knows God is dealing with him. In our scripture reading this morning in Romans 1, we read that God reveals himself to each and every person that's on the face of the earth. I reveal myself to man. And it can be with unbelievers in a severe circumstance way. Especially when our heart is hard. Sometimes we don't give God any other choice but to judge us. This means that God has revealed himself to your neighbor that you've been witnessing to that perhaps says, Oh, I don't believe in God. He will sooner or later. God says, I'll reveal myself to him. Don't worry about it. This also means God can reveal himself to people in power or in authority in government, even our president. Our president is not immune to God. Remember what God did to Saul who was persecuting the church? With a very bright light, God knocks him to the ground with a light. Now, that's strong light. (laughs) Knocked him from his donkey. And Paul quickly declares, Who are you, Lord, and what would you have me to do? You didn't take Paul a long time to understand who God was and that he had an obligation to God. So, Scripture has advice any unbeliever and that vice is do not harden your heart like Pharaoh scripture also gives us the example of Paul who declares what would you have me do Lord that's an example of our response we should say unto God what would you have me to do and that is good advice to any man believer or unbeliever Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, first of all, we are your people. We thank you that we live in the age of grace. Lord, most of us have never seen you deal severely like you dealt with Pharaoh and the Egyptians. But, Lord, it doesn't mean we don't see that side of you come out against them. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for loving us. So, Lord, let us respond to you in a positive way. Let us be like the Apostle Paul. What would you have us do, Lord? And let it be from our very depths of our being. Let it just be our, our heart's cry to you. What would you have us to do? For you've called us to yourself for a reason, Lord. And we want to find that reason. We want to be serving you with a complete, full heart. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that we're not under your judgment, that we have been saved through the blood of Jesus. Thank you for paying that price, Jesus us to have a relationship with the father so be with us lord watch over us and take care of us and we pray in jesus name amen